Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Lazarus, come out. As an openly gay man, I love this sentence of scripture. Lazarus, come out. And coming out has taken a significant meaning in the LGBT community. The moment when you tell the world you come out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, genderqueer, whatever identity you claim. And, and you don't just come out once. And thankfully, you, you only have to tell your parents once, usually. But as a queer person, you find yourself often asking questions like, does my barista really need to know? What about my coworker? And coming out is a lifelong process. You come out week in, week out. Lazarus, come out, indeed. I mentioned this coming out this morning, not just to get a chuckle, and you're generous for doing so. I mention it because this story of Jesus at the graveside and of his good friend, it resonates with this coming out. Jesus shows a certain openness He does not criticize Martha, who is understandably grief-stricken at the death of her brother. He doesn't push back when they say, he healed the man born blind, surely he could have saved his friend. No. Though he seemingly knows what will happen, that Lazarus will rise again, Jesus stands with the mourners and weeps. He's open to their pain. He shares their grief. Jesus is willing to be vulnerable. Today we celebrate the Feast of All Saints and its twin feast, All Souls. We remember the holy lives, those of the capital S saints and those with the lowercase letter. The saints of our own lives, the mentors, the teachers, the parents and grandparents who went before us. And today I want to notice a theme in the lives of many of the saints in the lives of many who have taught me what it means to be a godly person, to be a whole person. And the saints who have most affected me, they've been characterized by a certain holy openness, like Jesus in the gospel this morning, a shared vulnerability. The famous and the more personal saints, many of them, they lived Jesus' invitation to Lazarus to come out. Sometimes that was literally to come out as a lesbian or as someone who is genderqueer. Sometimes it was simply to be and to share themselves honestly, fully, vulnerably, openly. Something about being themselves often allowed others to step out as well, to share their whole and honest selves. Before I continue, and in the spirit of this openness, I need to try and take up this theme to share something honest with you. I need to take a moment of personal privilege. Our parish just completed a feasibility study toward a capital campaign, toward a renovation. And as I wrote in this week's email, the results were fantastic. This is a healthy, engaged, and generous congregation. We will be moving forward with a capital campaign and the renovation in the coming months. There'll be more details to come. I don't have plans to show you today. Those are coming. But one particular theme came up in the feasibility study, 
It came up in several people's responses, and I need to take a moment of personal privilege to address the theme. Several folks in their responses to questions in the survey asked their own question. It came up from a number of folks, and it went something like this. Does a capital campaign mean that the rector is leaving? The question makes sense for folks who have been around Holy Communion for a while. The last two rector transitions happened at a time when there was a capital campaign. I want to say openly, honestly, I have no plans to leave anytime soon. Ellis and I have discerned that we have some work to do right here in St. Louis. Some of that work is professional, And some of it involves discernment about growing our family. Uh, We've started a process to become foster parents. We want to do that right here in this congregation. I'm going to get teary. Um, We don't plan to go anywhere for several more years. And because the church canons make firing a rector almost impossible, (laughs) you're stuck with us. I hope that's okay. Thank you for letting me take this moment of privilege. Thank you for letting me open up a little to be a little vulnerable. See, I've noticed when I've been around someone who really knows deeply who they are, when I've been around someone who's done that discernment, when I'm around someone who is comfortable in their own skin, who's willing to share, to be vulnerable, I also feel like I can let down my guard. I'm always trying to learn from those folks because I know that the opposite can be true as well. My own defenses can come up fast. It makes me a little concerned for our nation today. While there may not be much construction on a literal wall, so many figurative walls seem to be up between people. How can we live more openly? Perhaps we can look to some of the most famous saints. Francis of Assisi lived in the time of the Crusades. As a young man, he sought glory fighting against non-Christians. When he came into his more saintly, more mature self, he took a different point of view. During the Fifth Crusade, while his fellow Christians were caught between Damiata and the Egyptian army, Francis went to meet with the Sultan, Malik al-Kamil. Francis was not empowered by the Christian leaders to bargain for peace. Instead, Francis and al-Kamil talked theology. After two days of spirited conversation, the saint and the sultan grew to respect one another. And Francis was not empowered to accept Al-Kamil's offer to stop the war. As a man of poverty, he also could not accept the gold and silks that the sultan offered as gifts. The saint did make one request. He asked to share a meal with the Muslim leader. How do we cultivate this kind of respectful engagement? How do we encounter other faiths with open hearts? After almost 800 years, it was almost 800 years ago that Francis overcame the attitudes of his day and his own fear. Francis wasn't alone in his openness. Oscar Romero, the most recent of the saints, he witnesses to openness to the lives and rights of the poor. Deaconess Anne of St. Louis, she worked among our city's Old North, caring for children in a rough neighborhood, very different from her own upbringing. And there are so many lives of the saints, and they're too full of stories to recount them all. 
So instead this morning, I want to turn to some lowercase saints, some folks who may not ever end up in an official calendar, but who witness to God's love and justice in their open lives. As it turns out, just by happenstance, following that old hymn I love that we sang, one was a doctor and one was a queen. As some of the stories of those who were killed last week in the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh came out, I was particularly moved by accounts of Dr. Jerry Rabinowitz. Listen to what one of his patients wrote of his doctor. In the old days, for HIV patients in Pittsburgh, he was the one to go to. Basically, before there was effective treatment for fighting HIV itself, he was known in the community for keeping us alive the longest. He often held our hands without rubber gloves and always, always hugged us as we left his office. Remember, in the early days of HIV, some Episcopal churches were actually using separate communion cups for folks who tested positive. People were afraid to touch, afraid to stand near. Dr. Rabinowitz took off his gloves and gave hugs. And maybe this faithful Jewish man would feel a little uncomfortable being described as a saint, even if I only spell, if I only spell saint with a lowercase letter. But Dr. Rabinowitz's openness saved lives, saved dignity, saved souls. What about the queen? This year we buried Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul. I grew up with Aretha's music before I knew her name. She was that level of star. I, I knew she was a feminist icon. My mom taught me early about her singing R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I remember being moved at President Obama's first inauguration as she sang My Country Tis of Thee. I had a sense of her as an artist, as a singer. But it wasn't until her funeral that I knew why they counted her as a queen. In story after story, musicians, pastors, even presidents spoke of a life that was at times difficult, but always sought to inspire others. When Dr. King struggled to pay his organizers, Aretha held benefit concerts and covered his payroll. She offered to post bail for the activist Angela Davis. She said, I know you've got to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. It would have been easy as such a famous artist to say quiet publicly, sell more records, make music. But Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul, stayed open to the work God was doing, the work of civil rights, the work of liberation, She stayed open to people and used her spotlight to shed a light on injustice. And her funeral was fit for a queen. All saints and all souls can be a difficult feast because it's tinged with mourning. Today, standing outside his friend's grave, Jesus shares the tears of his community in pain. And today we remember those saints who have brought blessing into our lives, who have taught us to be a little more holy and a little more whole. We remember those saints who helped us to be more open, to share ourselves because they shared themselves with us. Outside my office here at the church is a picture of Jerusalem. If you look closely, you'll see that in the picture there are really two Jerusalems. The holy city, painted in gold, is coming down from heaven. 
as the book of Revelation has it this morning, God will wipe away every tear. As part of the prayer that consecrates bread and wine, we will sing verses from Isaiah, holy, holy, holy. Just yesterday, our Jewish neighbors sang those same verses in Hebrew, kadush, kadush, kadush. Each time they repeat the word in synagogue, the Jewish people bounce a little on their feet, reaching upward toward heaven, reaching for the heavenly city. As we introduce the song, the priest says that we will join the chorus of saints and angels. The rabbis teach that this song, holy, 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 it's an echo of the heavens. The earthly city and the heavenly city, they join in the same song. Those who have gone before us sing with us in a chorus of praise that rings through eternity. Those we love who have died, they're not far away. We can still join them in song. We can reach up on our toes and get a little closer as we sing, holy, holy, holy. We remember the saints for their faith. We remember the faith that gave saints the courage to see the humanity in others. We remember saints who reached out, who held open space. We remember saints whose faith gave them courage to stand with those of a different orientation, a different religious tradition, a different gender, a different race. We remember saints who believed in the promise of God to always be with them, who knew that Jesus stood with them to weep in the midst of grief and loss. In a world that is getting better and better at building walls, God invites us to love radically, following the example of the saints, the doctors, the queens, and all those who came out, who were vulnerable, who embraced others. In just a few moments, we will baptize Walter Clyde Ludwig, and we will pray that God will open his heart, that God will teach him to love, that God will fill him with the holy and life-giving spirit. We know to pray these prayers because of the saints who have gone before us, the uppercase saints and the lowercase ones. We give thanks for the lives of the women and men and people who famously stood for God and gave us a shining example. We give thanks as well for all those saints who stand quietly with us when we are scared, when we are vulnerable, and when our rights need to be defended. Those saints who shared a little of themselves, a handshake, a hug. They are saints too. Their lives witness to the love of God. A blessed feast of all saints and all souls. Amen.